Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life. My ethos is sustainability and my aim is to leave you better than I found you. I am a complete foodie, lover of all animals, recovering perfectionist, with a passion to help many achieve a life of health and well-being. I hope you take a lot from this podcast and thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. You're joined by me, your host, Rebecca, and of course, my wonderful sidekick, Edith. Now, today, I want to talk about something a little bit different. I want to talk about the diet after the diet. Now, everyone listening to this, I am sure at some point has been exposed to dieting in some form or another. Maybe not directly, but will have had someone in close proximity on a diet a colleague, family member, or a friend. But you, millennials like me, Gen Z, Gen X, baby bloomers, 90% of us have considered nutritional choices with the intention of changing our body either through gaining weight or losing weight. And diet culture has fed just the fixation on your goal. They haven't spoken about how you sustain your goal, whether that is weight gain or weight loss. So of course, to achieve your goal, you have to follow a pattern of dieting. And dieting here, I refer to as nutritional behaviours that are followed to reach your goal. But how do you sustain that? There is no consideration for the maintenance of your weight gain or your weight loss that aligns to your long-term values. Now, having worked with hundreds of people and seeing the impact of the yo-yoing approach, both mentally and physically, and how it actually has driven a lack of results and impacted relationships with nutrition and oneself, I believe there has been a compound of reasons behind it. Because shockingly, nobody likes to lose body weight or gain body weight, again, it's goal relevant, and then find themselves back to where they were at the beginning, right? No, of course. And then this becomes a spiral, a spiral of low self-worth, low self-esteem, low confidence. And actually, you become very stagnant because you have this perception that you're not going to achieve your results because every time you have tried, you have been successful, but then found yourself back at the beginning. So that becomes a limiting belief. That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I'm here now to help you understand why that's happened and then help you drive focus into how you can sustain your results. And it's going to be about doing something a little bit differently. And again, it'll be more compassionate and kinder to yourself because if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know... The only way to be successful with your dieting approach is to be kinder to yourselves. So as I said, we've got diet culture, right? That grind harder mentality must be a slog. So we followed over-restricted approaches, which has led to a lack of enjoyment, a lack of consistency, causing many people only to stick to it until results are obtained. Added to that, you've got food labels, descriptions, association of good and bad food, exclusion approaches where many people have removed food from their diet instead of looking at what they can add to their diet to make them feel better. Now, of course, let's call this a fat loss phase, right? Instead of flipping between weight gain and weight loss. Let's say it's fat loss, right? 
there is going to need to be some amount of restriction. You're, you are going to have to eat below your energy intake. And instead of saying, I need to remove sugary dense foods, ultra processed foods and alcohol out of my diet because they are so bad and that will make me feel better. Instead, you reframe it. I'm going to include fruits and veggies. I'm going to include some protein. I'm going to include lots of dietary fiber. I'm going to include a Mediterranean style approach. I'm going to stay nice and hydrated because that's going to make me feel better. The former of the two has brought about an over restriction and implemented these labels and these red flags that when you are then exposed to sugary dense foods, ultra processed foods, alcohol, the novelty of this food is heightened. So you find yourself with this all or nothing mindset, this fear, this scarcity. But this comes from years and years and years of diet culture, of restriction. Many people associate carbs as being bad, fats as being bad. Oh, I'm just going to follow a low fat diet. I'm going to follow a no carbohydrate diet. And shockingly, now our environment has evolved so much that these foods are around and they're around in abundance. We live in a feast society. So if you're actively saying to yourself, you cannot have that food and you have this association with it being bad, that is going to increase that dichotomous thinking. You are going to find yourself losing control. And then what happens? You talk to yourself like a complete asshole because you feel that it's a you problem when actually it isn't at all. It's a method and it is likely a belief which is leading to these self-fulfilling prophecies and actually inhibiting you achieving your results. And then we've got instant gratification. We live in a world now where we want everything now. And Christ, you can order off Amazon and get it same day. You can order food, a coffee, have it delivered. We are becoming more lazy in society. And with that, we lack patience. And patience is a biggie when considering your health. Because your health is always with you. And this fueled by diet culture and the methods many follow portrays the image that when you have lost the weight, you're finished. You've completed it, which then forces many to revert back to old habits and behaviours and shockingly regain the weight. See, there's so much fixation on just nutrition, but there isn't any amount of awareness on behaviours, on habits and how they compound to the biggest amount of success long term. We all know how to eat well. We all know the difference between more nutrient-dense foods, ultra-processed foods. I don't want to call them good or bad or healthy or not healthy. You know what I mean, right? We all know that. You can Google that. So why do 80% of people who diet regain their weight? Because there is just this fixation on the diet. There is no amount of consideration for how you sustain your results. You sustain your results through behavior change interventions, through habit formation, and through consistently adhering to an approach that you actually enjoy that adds value to your life with knowledge, with understanding, with support, so that when you go out your loan, when you have finished your diet, not quote unquote finished, but when you have achieved your goals, Actually, then you've got the tools on your tool belt to manage your emotions, to manage your stress, to go out socially without preoccupation around food, to enjoy living your life, knowing that what you are doing is well in line with your values. So what can we do to help with lasting weight loss? The biggie here is how you lose weight. And I'm sure now that makes more sense having gone through what I just did. 
Now, this has a profound impact on weight maintenance. And so much, so much lies with the intent behind your actions. Because you see, actions aren't wildly different, really, when considering fat loss. As I said, you do need to reduce your intake. You do need to increase your energy expenditure. Stress management needs to be part of your routine. Sleep hygiene and a good routine is key. Protein is essential. Eating enough fruit and vegetables helps with fullness and satiety. But the intent behind the action can have such an effect on whether you sustain your results long term. And many people fall into the trap of over-restriction. So dieting from a place of resentment, trying to guilt trip themselves into change, trying to embark on a six-week slog with the assumption that they'll feel better at the end. And sure, you may lose the weight, however, it isn't sustained. And that actually, it's likely gained and more. Not because you're broken, nor is it because you can't diet. It's because the intent behind your actions was too restrictive, you were too aggressive, thus causing you to give up. So as an example, if you're in a fat loss phase and you're saying to yourself, today I'm choosing not to have chocolate. In one case, you can acknowledge that that is a choice, that you have complete autonomy and you're opting for something, say, more satiating like an apple. On the other hand, you may say to yourself, categorically cannot have chocolate, it is bad and you're dieting. Now on the surface, it's just removing chocolate for the day, right? However, the latter of the two will cause you to throw in the towel. It will cause you to give up and likely binge on the food from the scarcity implemented with the thoughts. This being a choice led from hatred, fear and the association of those food rules and those food labels inevitably leaves you with feelings of the food having a hold over you. This increases the novelty of the food which will impact your relationship with food, yourself and lead to that spiral, the fueling, the guilt, shame and the yo-yo cycle. And if you are saying to yourself you cannot categorically have something, just pause a minute now and say to yourself, okay, well, am I ever going to be exposed to those foods again? And where does that come from? It comes from years of restriction. And again, in no amount of scientific literature is there any food that is cited as being good or bad. But your moral belief and now the weight that is associated with these foods through your mindset will have a huge impact on how you respond to these foods when you are exposed to them again, because shockingly, you will be. So you might be able to say to yourself, through guilt, through shame, through resentment, yeah, you're not having chocolate today because you're following a really restrictive diet and you've got to lose body fat. But then what happens if it's your children's birthday party? What happens if you're out with your girlfriends and you see this food and you're so preoccupied by it and it's consuming all of your thoughts and then that is gonna fuel a spiral? And how many times have you sat back now and thought, yeah, actually, I have lost control around these foods and likely that is coming from me trying to just exclude them out of my diet. And I hugely, hugely resonate with that because it's increasing the scarcity, isn't it? And when you feel scared around it, it's then like, oh my God, I'm only having these today. So I need to eat all of them. I need to get them all out of the house because then my diet starts again tomorrow and I can't have any of these. 
And the novelty, shockingly, is reduced so much when you include these foods into your diet and you don't then feel like you need to go and binge on these foods. You don't feel like that you're never going to get them again. Instead, they fit within your diet and actually you reduce the desire for them because you know you can have them whenever. So the former of the two by giving yourself autonomy and saying to yourself, today I'm choosing not to have the chocolate, today I'm choosing something more satiating, that's allowing you to make um, um, a choice based on the situation, based on your goals, based on your values, and it's led from more compassion, it's led from more, more mindfulness. And then actually when the situation arises again and you are, again, presented with maybe an apple or a chocolate, you have autonomy again and you can choose the chocolate in that time. And healthy choices, again, remember, are not defined by just eating protein and eating vegetables. They are choices that are driven with intent based on how you want to feel long term, based on your goals, based on your values. And only you can make a healthy choice. And that's where, again, universal diet culture portrays this good, bad, um, healthy, unhealthy, treat sort of narratives. But actually, that could be very much a healthy choice for somebody to go out and order a burger if they have followed an over-restricted approach. And it is very subjective. And when you get clear on your values and you get clear on your goals and you dig below the surface as to where these perhaps moral descriptions and these food labels come from, then you begin to follow that inclusive approach where you include all the foods you enjoy with complete autonomy, with choices driven through compassion, through mindfulness, with stress management, with awareness of your emotions, which then increases the behaviours and then actually you're more likely to sustain it because again, the how you lose body fat really impacts how long you're going to sustain that. And weight maintenance is not just six weeks. Weight maintenance is six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, 36 months, years later. And if you can't actively see yourself removing all of these foods out of your diet for the next five years, then your dietary approach is going to trip you up. You are going to fail. And that's where you can appreciate that if you're looking for sustainable results, you never finish or complete your health. Your health is with you until you are no longer here. Now, I don't mean that to sound morbid or overwhelming. Of course, like everything in life, the more you practice, the more it becomes subconscious. The behaviours become more ingrained within you. You build trust with this nutrition. You reduce the fear, the scarcity. You get to that place of food neutrality and one of the most amazing things I hear from so many of my clients is I've always wanted a normal relationship with food and I never really knew what that felt like. And now I can appreciate what that feels like where the food isn't talking to you anymore and you don't feel scared around food anymore and you're not forever searching on a menu before you're going out socially to worry about what you're eating and whether it's going to work with your diet and then how many days you need to restrict your calories harshly afterwards or how many steps you need to do because this becomes all-encompassing and that's not something that you can do for the long term. And actually, you become more successful with your goals, with say fat losses again, that's what we're we're really talking about here. And if your approach to your fat loss phase has come from more compassion and more mindfulness and you've really, really focused on those behaviours, 
then those behaviours stay with you long term. So you're still working on your sleep you're still working on your movement, you're still working on your protein, you've got greater stress management, you've got more awareness of your emotions, you understand what food did for you for so long if you suffered with a poor relationship with food, you've perhaps now recognised what your body was seeking in that moment and it wasn't seeking food so you've got tools on your tool belt to regulate your emotions and the only change that comes from fat loss to your maintenance comes from that energy balance equation. So you now eat to match your maintenance. So you just increase your calories back up to what's known as homeostasis and then you retain your weight. So if we are wildly changing our nutritional intake for our fat loss phase and doing things with our behaviours that we can't consistently do, then when you've quote unquote completed your fat loss phase and you revert back to how you were, you will regain the weight. So if your fat loss was a complete slog with excluding all the food you love, when you achieve your goal, is there any wonder you want to indulge on all the food you feel you missed out on? So like when people diet before they go on holiday and they followed a really exclusive approach and then they're exposed to a buffet and then they come home and weigh two stone more, like I completely resonate with that. But it's because there's scarcity and fear. So this time I want you to try something different. I want you to try being compassionate towards yourself. I want you to check in with your intentions behind your actions. Are they empowering you or are they imprisoning you? And try an inclusive approach where instead of saying, what do I need to remove out of my diet? You say, what can I add into my diet to make me feel good? And try being patient with your results, but impatient with your actions, where you do show up each and every day in line with your goals. Looking at the long-term impact of your behaviours and thus the diet after the diet. And fat loss becomes a byproduct of your behaviours each and every day. How you feel, how you act. Make them nourishing and ones that are long-lasting for you. Ones that work for your life, that add value to your life, that make you feel good. So the sort of behaviours to begin with a more compassionate approach to your fat loss that will support you long-term eating 25 grams of protein with every meal, getting 30 grams of dietary fibre in per day, exposure to the outdoors and movement outdoors every day two to three resistant training sessions per week especially as we age and we suffer with um, some anabolic resistance and of course a reduction of muscle mass especially those perimenopause and postmenopausal women resistance training is really important and can help mitigate some of the symptoms associated with the menopause stress management so like an intention and reflection journaling each and every day and your sleep hygiene then when you achieve your fat loss, you still have these behaviours. It's just the energy intake increased to meet that of maintenance. So maintenance coming from the behaviours and the empowered intention behind your action with more compassionate and mindfulness towards your long-term value of health. And practising imperfection. You don't have to go away and do everything perfectly. If you're saying to yourself, right, I'm going to perfectly do those six things that Rebecca just said. Well, you're going to trip yourself up because perfection is a perception. To start with, perfection doesn't exist. You've got to be imperfect and perfection gives you that all or nothing approach. If you can't do it perfectly, what's the point in doing anything? So maybe a couple of days you only do, um, I don't know, 
28 grams of dietary fiber, 25 grams of protein with every meal, and you sleep rubbish because your children kept you up. But that's okay because you can still get outside for a walk and that's just 10 minutes because you're saying to yourself tonight, I'm going to go to bed a little bit earlier because I'm being kind to myself because that's exactly the approach we need. And the other thing to consider is support. Support and reassurance along your journey with changes to something new. So if you think, actually, do you know what? I'd really like to try this new approach and I think I would massively benefit from the support of Rebecca. I want her on my team. My details are in the the show notes. And thank you again so much for tuning in. If you think anybody would benefit from this, please do share. Have a fab day, guys.